Welcome to Sports 360 Podcast. Here we talk about issues in the wide world of sports, ranging from local issues from the Nigerian scene to global issues. And uh, we like to make it an all-sports affair. Sports 360, we can go anywhere, any sport. My name is DG Omoto Imbo. And I'm Adeyemi Adesoya. I am Akimbo De Ogutui. All right, everybody, welcome once again to Sports 360 Podcast. Well, I'd like to tell you today that we have a lot of pleasant topics to talk about. Not, the, like, not like the usual. What we're talking about locally is very pleasant, although there is a side of it that I would tackle uh, one of my guys on. But Ogutu is still in the U.S. and he's had the added incentive of having to monitor the Tigers' impressive performances in their games in the pre-Olympic scrimmage in Las Vegas. Yemi Adison is right here in the studio with me. So, like I alluded to it, we start with the Tigers and their eye-popping performances in Las Vegas. Uh, as we speak, they've played two games against the number one ranked FIFA, FIFA team in the world, the United States. They won that by three points. They scored 23 pointers in that game. And if you felt that was a fluke, they followed that up with a 23-point blowout of Argentina. Um, Argentina are ranked number four in the world. And if I remember correctly, Argentina beat us by, I think, 13 points at the last World Cup, about 28 points at the previous Olympics. And if you remember, the United States embarrassed us with a 73-point victory at the 2012 London Olympics when, I mean, everybody was making all kinds of, uh, having all kinds of jibes at the team. But, but they, how, are you surprised at the form of this tiger, the Tigers in this pre-Olympic scrimmage? Because, really, beating the United States, that's the, only the second time they'll lose in, in 33 friendly matches dating back to 2005. And we are the first African country to beat them in basketball, whether competition or uh, friendly or scrimmage, as they like to call it. So, let's start with you. You're the basketball expert. Are you surprised or this was something that was waiting to happen? Um, I think it's, it's a bit of both. Okay. It's a bit of both. Um, I, I don't think there's anybody in the world who would have called that result against the Americans. We knew that the Tigers were good. We knew that the Tigers were better than the team that went to the World Cup. And we also knew that the Tigers would give the Americans a tough time. And we're also aware that the Americans, um, uh, the team, uh, uh, you know, it, it, b- basketball is not, um, well, most team sports, you, can, you can't just put five guys on the floor from different places and expect them to give you a performance that is noteworthy. Yes, they're all great players, but you expect them to have a bit of, a, a bit of visual communication early. One of the reasons, one of the reasons they played, they, they took on that game on their, and that they are playing friendlies is to ensure that they have a team by the time, by the time they get to the Olympics. Because like I always say, in basketball, one man can't beat five. You yeah. need your whole team, both the, both the starting five and the bench to become a unit. And that's what they're trying to achieve. So we, we, I, I think I and many others understood that um, the Americans will not be at their best. But mm. you see, expect that with the kind of rules that they have and the experience and the hype around them, um, you expect that hey, maybe to be close. What you are just, I guess, what it, what, what the Tigers and what Mike Brown, uh, what they wanted to, what, what they wanted to see was how far Nigeria had come from the team that lost so scandalously at the last Olympics. So to now go from let's go there and do our best 
to we won the game. That's mm. amazing. Yeah. Look, when the when the Tigers played against against the American team at the last World Cup, and that game uh, went the way it went. For those who may have forgotten, the Tigers lost that game. They led that game until the last three four minutes when the Americans pulled the magic and won. It was a close game. So we thought that something like that like that will happen against the Americans. Nobody no, nobody saw a win coming. Nobody. If there's someone that said, hey, I, 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 I knew we would be the Americans, and I think uh, we'll all be listening to a liar. That's interesting. Um, but it looked like we've been building up to this. That's what Bode uh, has alluded to. Yemi, um, a lot of things that happen in sports has a lot to do with confidence and how much you believe in yourself. And I think that's an advantage or an, um, something that this team has. They have talent, they have attitude, they have confidence, which maybe that stems from the fact that a number of them, eight of them on the roster playing the NBA, they don't feel any inferiority complex. They've got the talent. Maybe they don't get too many minutes, but this gives them an opportunity to showcase what they have. And you have to say that they've taken their chance with both hands. And also they have two who have NBA experience. So that makes almost a total of, I think, 10. Mm. Um, like I was saying that um, if anybody had said that the Tigers will win you'd probably say he's lying because even uh, the odds were 25 to 1 mm. for the Tigers to defeat the US which are huge odds so imagine you put a thousand naira on that that's about, that is about 25,000 yeah. so uh, completely incredible but then it, it just shows you that it's important sometimes to match up well with the opposition. Okay. So imagine up well, we've got some players who have experience playing in the NBA alongside the Americans anyway, players who have zero to, you know, no uh, inferiority complex playing up against these guys. So they match up well, skill, skill for skill, knowledge base, and whatnot. Of course, the manager on the bench or the coach as they call it, on the bench knows these NBA players more or less inside out. So he's able to you know, map out a game plan to ensure that Nigeria play their best basketball. And I think that's what happened. In fact, I may bold to say that the performance against Argentina was even better yeah, than I the was, performance against yeah. against the US. I was going to come to that. You know, we thought maybe, well, maybe the US were not at their best. Well, they're not at their best because they lost the game. They lost to Australia in their second game. Interestingly, you know, uh, I think the U.S. have been together for four days before the game against mm-hmm. Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Nigeria has been together for like, for like two, three, two, three weeks. weeks. So, um, but if you thought that was, like I said, if you thought that was a fluke, they followed that up with a very impressive victory against Argentina. 23 points blowout, it must be said. In the first game, they scored 23 points out. They didn't score so many this game, but the shooting is there. But uh, my question to you is, uh, is this. Um, this team is stacked with experience, but we are no longer unknowns. <laughs> These uh, victories have put Nigeria up there. So there is no element of surprise. There is no, nobody's going to underrate the Tigers. Nobody's going to come to them with an attitude because you know how good they can be. That is an advantage in one sense, but it's also a disadvantage because now everybody's going to prepare for them. Everybody's, these guys are no longer unknowns. Kele Bagada, Stanley Okoye, Chimeze Metu, Emagano, Iregun, Moneke, 
Um, all these guys were probably unknown to the basketball world before now, but now all their opposing coaches are mapping strategies against them. Uh, that could work against us, can't it? Well, there is that possibility, DG. But remember that after Nigeria won the African Championships, most of these guys, I mean, it, it was on, yeah, if, 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 I, if, I'm, if I'm not wrong, Almost all, the, almost the whole world will have watched, uh, if not the whole, a, a majority of uh, basketball playing nations will have because that, that the team that went to, to that won that um, African championship, championship, the team was tagged and they played some marvelous basketball. Yeah, and I'm sure all through the qualifiers, both to the World Championships and to the Olympics, a lot of eyes were on Nigeria. And I'm sure that when the Americans stepped on the floor against Nigeria, they felt okay. You know what? We are playing against. In fact, the commentator here was saying. This, this Nigerian team should not be underrated yeah. because they have some key players and they are very, very athletic. So already they know. I think what the Nigerians have, and I'm going to say this clearly, <laughs> is that one, there is better game management and there is better coaching. Mm. Look, at the last World Cup, all of us saw how good this team can be. Mm. And we also saw that it was all down to in-game management and 19 minutes of certain players. Yeah. And this new coach doesn't have that garbage. He knows the players. He knows what he wants to do. And like uh, like Yemi said, he knows these NBA players. He's worked with some of them. He's a multiple NBA finals coach. And so he understands in-game, in-game uh, management. Uh, I think uh, it was the last, uh, the last, down window when um, Nigeria went to I think it was Ivory Coast. We saw that he didn't he didn't he didn't say he didn't talk a lot. Mm. And most times he was on he was on the bench. He just started he was looking. I think he started his, his assistance assistance of the players from that time. So yes, the world will be waiting. But trust me, like I said uh, on, 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 on the WhatsApp group earlier today, there, there, there are a lot of things that goes into into, into basketball game. And like the like, like like you and I have been saying for years during the during the NBA finals, the coaches make adjustments from game to game, game, to to game. game. Yeah. yeah, and then and, and then we all saw in some of the in, in some of the games that, uh, in some of the uh, games that have been played so far in the NBA finals that some coaches don't know how to manage their players in game. In game, yes. So I think no matter what the coaches know, it is how Mike Brown manages the players game to game, and then give that to matter. Now we know we can cruise out games. Because in the two games against USC and Argentina, the first they were leading in the first quarter. The yeah. second quarter, something changed. So yes, it's not that this, these coaches are not watching. It's not that they didn't want to win these games, but the, the Nigerians and the coaches did, did something better. And mm. so, and mm. also they also I also realized that these boys are playing like with a chip on their shoulder. Yes, I said that earlier. And 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 you cannot un- underestimate that. Look, they, they, they know they can play. They just have to step up. Once all of them are pulling in the same direction, they disguise the limit. I think, uh, I think one other thing, okay. just, just to quickly mention, one other thing is the atmosphere to which they're playing under. Yeah. They're playing in an empty stadium or gymnasium, as they call it, more or less. So it gives the coach the opportunity to coach the team. Communicate. Whilst they're playing. Yeah. I saw the halftime interview with him yesterday and was apologizing that he probably had cost a few that, times yeah. but that he's happy that he's able to actually Get coach his message team. across and note mm. at the Olympics they'll be playing in an empty stadium yeah yeah. So, that's a 
huge point. But so Yemi, let, let, let me stick with you for this, Yemi. You have to say though that Nigerian basketball has been building up to this. Oh yeah. You know, for quite a while. Oh yeah. Maybe it took us by surprise, but really, when we go down in history, we shouldn't be really that surprised. We are the only African station and nation to ever qualify for the Summer Olympics through the World Olympic Qualifying Tournament. I remember that in 2012. Yeah. Which is a very tough tournament, beating world elite teams like Lithuania and Greece. We won Afro Basket in 2015, like Bode alluded to. In 2006, FIBA World Championships, Japan finished 14th. Um, 2012 Summer Olympics, London won a four record, became the first African country to win a game at the Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. 2016, won four record as well. We saw what happened in 2019 uh, World Cup, even though we finished 17th. But, you know, we, we, we strike some of those teams close. So you could say that it's been building up. Uh, we've been showing signs and eventually everything appears to be coming together. Of course, it's been coming together for, for a while. Um, at least if you go back a little bit in history, we had the problem with the Angolans and uh, somehow I think we've passed that, that stage mm-hmm. now. We're able to yeah. handle them. They're, they're, they're in their own, they have their own issues and we're able to handle the, the North Africans as well, maybe the Senegalese. So we've got to that point where the talent pool has expanded so much because also the Nigerian-born Americans, mm. it's become quite attractive for them to also to play, play for Nigeria. Yeah. So, and then at the same time, on the local scene, we're also consistently producing talent who are finding their way into the college system, the NCAA system, and also to the NBA. At least I do remember at the last draft, we produced the most mm. um, number of draftees Yeah. Behind the U.S. itself, even Canada didn't have anybody drafted yeah. in the last draft. So that in itself shows that we the have talent. the talent to be world beaters. What's just left is for us to, one, which we're already doing, and this is the talent, and ensuring that there's a bit of consistency, mm. especially also on the coaching side. Because the defense we played yesterday against Argentina was Excellent. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure I've seen it. Like it swarm, that. Swarming defense. The Argentines had 17, there were 17 turnovers uh-huh. due to defense, uh, the capability of the defense. Um, but it, Uwamu, um, Okpala, Achua, Vincent, Gabe, and Okoje started the first game against the USA. The reason I'm saying this is that if you look at the roster, all the names, we know our names are unique. All the names are Nigerian, even though most of them uh, were not born here. But, um, we have to say people like Precious Achinwa, who has the poster for life. That block <laughs> on KD in the first game is a lifetime poster that everybody, I think it, it generated 80,000 views within one hour on YouTube that night. The point I'm trying to make, buddy, is the fact that there has been criticism that, hey, these guys are all foreign-based uh, players. How does it develop basketball on the local scene and all of that and all of that? So I like your reaction to that. Um, considering the fact that someone like Precious Achewa is what you can call a real success story. And in my view, I feel that these guys who have come to Africa to play, who are not just saying we want to stay over there, they can be used as an, as an inspiration for young guys here who are playing basketball to say, this is what I can achieve. You can go to an American university. You can, they can be, we can manage this positively despite the criticism and let it percolate down to local basketball, what's your view on that? And the first off, uh, you and I know that uh, Precious Rachuan never played competitive basketball in Nigeria. Yeah. What he did was he attended training camp. 
Mm. And there are hundreds of players, both men, both the boys and girls, who yearly migrate from Africa to Europe and, and the US uh, based on programs like that, that are run by private that, that are run by private individuals. And and this happens because of uh, uh, because of the because of the systemic failure that has affected our sports. Um, uh, there are lots of reasons why there won't be any English player in this team. For one, there's not been a league played in three in years. Three years, yeah. You cannot you, you cannot pick players who are rusty. That is the, that, that is a fact. Although uh, uh, you can you, you cannot also say that given uh, given what you are seeing now, there is a there is a big disparity. Mm-hmm. So what you are what you are achieving internationally, both for men and women, and yeah. what, what is available locally, and I think the uh, the NBF will at some point have to address that. It's a discussion that they cannot they, they cannot run away from. But also, you also have to admit that as long as Division One basketball is running and and it has been running well for the past two three years, fully sponsored, you can't also put the blames on their table. If they decide to go the way they have done. Mm. The other point is that basketball is not like it's, it's not like football, DG. And we keep saying this. Yeah. The in pathways football, are different. Exactly. In football, you can take a team players to the game and you can't play more than 14. The other five or the other four, they are just there dressed doing nothing. In basketball, you can't afford that. If you look at the, the two scrimmages, the two friendlies that the, the Tigers have, have played, all the players log, log minutes. The mm. list of them log six, seven minutes. Yeah. And that means that you have to put every player on the floor. Uh, at some point. You also mentioned that um, the coach has to put all the players on the floor at some point. Remember that he switched, um, he switched players between the Argentina and the, and, and the USA game. Basketball is a game of matchups. The players that match up well against the USA but not much of well against the Argentinians. And so, because of that, he cannot afford to take any player with him that's not be useful for something. Okay, all I get that. All the players on the bench, all the players on the floor, all of them have the rules that they have to play. That's why they call them role players. So, exactly. You call, uh, that's why you call them role players. Because they have to step up and do something. And okay. so, they do. The fact is that, at some point, the NBF will have to address the issue of what to do with the home league. I'll come, I'll come back to you, buddy. Hear me quickly. Uh, we're rounding this up. Um, how can we, the home scene benefit from this exposure that basketball is getting? Both on both sides, Basket- male, female. Basketball is in a very, very good position today. Um, the sooner it is tapped into, the better. And we can start from. Let me go. And look at this tournament and look top, at Argentina. The they had visa <clears throat> on their jerseys. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going there. I'm going there. So to, top bottom. Mm. One, we can attract even bigger stars. No, even bigger stars. So, a Giannis, I don't know, he could tomorrow say he's not playing for Greece anymore. Mm. I don't know what the FIBA rules allows. He could switch to Nigeria and that changes the perspective. He can attract bigger corporates. Nike can say, okay, I'm looking at you. You have uh, this sports manufacturer on your jersey. Mm. This is so-so million, million dollars. Let's be your official kids. Whole load of possibilities. And then you can, you can cascade down to corporate uh, companies in Nigeria and say, look, basketball is the way. 
let's put money in. Your Premier league. Premier league that you haven't played in mm. so so years will give you a five five year sponsorship. But there's work to, to be, be done. done in mm. cultivating yeah. the local scene. There's work to be done. But uh, finally, on this, a lot of people have been saying medal, medal, medal. I don't want to get into that <laughs> position. But let me put it this way: if this team is able to play to its full potential, focused, energetic, they've got length, they've got talent, they've got attitude, they've got what we like to call swag in Nigeria. How far do you think they can go at the Olympics? You know the funniest thing? When we started this talk of, of the team getting, getting on the podium, we thought that we'd get uh, uh, about eight or nine NBA players. Yeah. Now, all of them are not there. In fact, in fact I, I, I believe Victor Ladiko will be kicking himself now. <laughs> yes, that, that, that is totally, totally, totally for another day. Uh, Adin really tweeted that he wishes he is fit enough to be on, on this team when he saw the game against the Americans. But the thing is that, Reggie, some of the key members of this team are players that we have seen before. Yeah. Uh, and the rest of them. And to see how much they have stepped up and first you see the thing, talking about the podium shows just how far the team can go when everybody is present and logged in. But yes, let's, let's keep talking about the podium. Look, I think we thought we have we should be upset if they don't play well enough. Even if they don't get, if, if they don't get a podium place, let it be that the game where they lost, their players will know that they've been in the game. Okay. Mm. All right. I like that. On that note, we end that. We wish the Tigers and indeed the Tigress all the best at the Olympics. The signs look good. Yeah. Uh, um, if one or two things fall their way, we might be talking about one possibly to make because remember the Tigers nearly beat the USA yeah, um, at the last at their own World Cup and they got to the quarterfinals, I think. So um great chances there. All right, talking about ability to win and surprising things and all of that. Three years ago, this team surprisingly did not make the World Cup. Three years down the line, they are European champions. The perfect Italian job concluded by Roberto. Mancini. So, of course, we move to the Euros that has just concluded with Italy taking the trophy to Rome and not allowing it to go home. Even though it was never home, (laughs) if you know what I mean. Italy defeated England 3-2 on penalties. A huge fallout of that. But we have to pat ourselves on the back. On this show, as a preview of the Euros, we tipped Italy as one of the teams that could possibly win it. I remember a friend of mine called me from England and said, why do you think Italy can win? Because they had good qualifiers. I said, well, that's what we thought. And Yemi, particularly, uh, you were so fixated on the Italian. Even on our radio show, you said you tipped Italy and all of that. What did you see at the start of the tournament or in their qualification series, in that unbeaten run that has continued? What did you see that made you so confident about this Italian team? Um, first and foremost, I would say from the qualification round, yeah. I thought this team was younger. Okay. A lot more energetic, more expressive. A bit on Italian? A bit on Italian. In, ta- in terms of, in terms of everything. Yeah. Um, so I felt it, they were in a good place. Mm-hmm. And of course, with the manager that they had, you know, a manager that's won things. Not just won things in Italy, but gone out to yeah. win things. So I, I, I believe the Italians finally realized that, look, they were at a point where they needed to forget sentiments and put the right a proper fit for the job. The last guy that faced qualifying for the World Cup, as far as I was concerned, had absolutely no business being manager. Mm. So you went from Conte to that and now to Mancini, a guy who has a fantastic structure. So what he just destroyed all those structures. 
all those stereotypes, stereotypes yeah. destroyed all those things and said, look, this is what I want. On a good day, a player like Kiesa will probably not start for Italy. On a good day, someone like Domenico Berendi might not start for Italy. Even Immobile in some instances, because he's had his chances and he's flopped them. But he went with that. Also, I saw a team who probably have put together a bit of a tactical revolution in how their midfield three play. Don't go there yet. I'm coming to that. <laughs> Just hold yourself. <laughs> but, you know, in football, we say um, you need to have a team. And I think this Italian team epitomized that. Because you, are, you struggle to mention any superstars. Maybe Donnarumma, who is a young goalkeeper. Beyond Donnarumma, the two old men in central defense have been playing together for years. You struggle to find somebody in the class of a Ronaldo or a Pogba or, you know, a player like that who is a megastar in world terms. And I think that was something that worked for them because it was a team of players who were ready to work their socks off, ready to play for each other, and there were no heirs. And, of course, he had a manager who was a superstar player himself, so there was respect for the manager. He had somebody like Viali in his backroom staff. There was a huge respect from the players because these guys have seen it and done that. And I think that worked for them in the sense of the fact that they became a sum of many parts instead of some individual brilliances. Did you, you mentioned two things here. You mentioned one clearly. You didn't know you mentioned the other. You need a team to win the tournament and yeah. you need a team to be coached. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't just pack players together and expect them to do and do magic. And that is what we keep repeating to anybody who cares to listen about some of our, some of, some of our national teams. But that's too for another day. What Machini did, you know, like you said, um, I, I, I was reading one analysis of his team and, and I'm sure that's, that the quality in quotes of some, some of the players that risked his career and risked his reputation to take the team to a middle tournament. Superstars don't make teams. Individual parts make a team. You coach them, you work them together. And that's what, that's what Martini has done. They've been years to come up. When the full analysis of these heroes and this team has been done, all of, we will see the magnitude of what Mancini put together to, to, to win these heroes. Remember, we are looking at, at, the, at the Belgians and the, and, and the Portuguese and the Spaniards. These are teams that, are, that have better individual, better talented players than these Italians. And yet, every game they played, you see them come together as a team, you see them defend, defend as a unit, you see, you see them go forward. What the man did was the, the players that the, the team had a, a good backbone, no doubt about that. Yeah. But the coaching and also the the backroom staff, they I, I'm sure all of them because they've been there done that before. They knew their their various uh, jobs and they stuck to their tasks. Teams went on as DG, backroom on the pitch yeah. and the coaching. Everybody Everything working together. For Italia, I'm telling you, all the movement parts work well together. And that's what we all have to learn from. Um, Yemi, we're, I was going to come to the tactical analysis that you're talking about. Um, of course, everybody talks about tactical uh, tweaks and tweak, uh, um, switches and all of that. But um, a lot of people just talk about football. They don't really analyze, but we try to do that. What tactical innovation did Mancini put to this Italian team? That was, well, 
maybe he's at all unseen, untried, untested, and it worked for him. I know you're talking about the midfield trial and how he did that. Can you just maybe put more light on that for our listening audience? Okay, we can start with the with the personnel first. Yeah. Um, first game of the tournament, he went with Manuel Lucotelli, uh, head of um, Verratti. Verratti, yeah. And a lot of people felt that on the basis of his performance, he more or less had, you know, sealed his place. Mm. But I think game two came along and he brought back Verratti. And then I found, I found it a bit strange having him play Verratti and Jorginho. Yes, there are instances they played together in the ball. In a competition of this, you know, marriage, you're not expected to try things. And so it looked odd having two deep-lying deep line playmakers yeah. in one team. Now, some is, some instances, there's a possibility that it can be misinterpreted into playing a double pivot, but these are not double pivots. They are not actually defensively-minded players, but they play deep and orchestrate play from deep. So they bring the ball from back to front. Now, what's interesting is once Verratti is the one dictating pace, uh, the pace of the game, Jorginho slots in and does all the recovery. So, interestingly, this shows that Jorginho who has been much maligned by the English pundits, the English media, had the most interceptions in Euro's history since Opta started, you know, gathering stats. I think 25 interceptions. Mm. And that itself was very critical. Now, the ease at which both of them are able to interchange. So, depending on the pace of the game. Also, you need to look at the position of one of the centre-backs. And that's especially when Italy are attacking. They push their fullbacks forward in Spinazzola and uh, Di Lorenzo. And then you see Cellini almost edging as an auxiliary left back in some instances. Once Variety drops in between himself and Bonucci and starts the stating play. I think that was very, very interesting to see their shape and the way they built up. Now, the way that fullbacks pushed up, pressing onto um, their opponents, yeah. was also unusual to see from, from an Italian team. And I have to go critically, one match that I think stood out for Italy had to be the way they approached the game against Belgium. Yeah. They knew the Belgians would want to possess and dominate, they the but they starved them of the ball. Mm. They were on the forefront, forefront all through, ensuring that they pressed them high up into the pitch. That every move that they made, they were boom. They, they were retrieving okay. the ball. Every move that they made, they were closing down the uh, the Belgians. Yes, the Belgians probably were not as as good as they usually are we're in games like that. But you have to see two defense, two deep line playmakers, a huge tick for uh, for Mancini. Some people will praise Santi Mainas for playing two number tens, mm. but he's done. DLPs and I think no, that's but it, just to go back to the point we made and to buttress the point all the points we made apart from Castle Design this was a team effort all through most teams yeah. have players who score four goals five goals let me tell you the breakdown of the 13 goals Italy scored in this tournament no player had more than two goals Persina had two Mario Locatelli mm-hmm. had two those are the midfielders their usual front three had two goals each Chiesa Insigne Immobile Bonucci scored once, Barella scored once, and then there was an own goal. That's the breakdown of the 13 goals they scored. 
It shows you you have five players on two goals, three strikers, two midfielders, one defend, uh, one midfielder, and one defender. You know, it goes to show that just to buttress the point we made earlier, it was a team. If you didn't have anybody scoring four or five goals, they didn't depend on one go-to guy to, to get their goals and all of that. And you know, like you said, in years to come, when the analysis of this win is done, I think it will now go back to the point that you need a team to win, not individuals. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm happy for the Italians. Uh, and uh, of course, DG, I'm, I'm, I'm sad about the about the things that the, the, the events that are unfolding in England. Mm. Um, it's 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 it, it, it's sad that after all the months, months upon months of of t- taking the knee and 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 chatting, uh, take racism out, out of football, it has come to this. And uh, honestly, DG, I want to see. The reaction of the authorities, what will follow? We all know that social media accounts, accounts, uh, people, their social media accounts can be tracked. I want to see whether they'll be tracked and prosecuted because, hey, look, like we said, when we raise a question on, 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 this, on, on this podcast, whether, whether we are going to see the end of, of racism, I think we will agree, agree at, at that time that, that unless mm. FIFA and UEFA become harsher and they take more steps that will shock the world. We will see the end of we will see the, the, the end of racism. But congratulations to to Mancini and, and Italians. Uh, they, they delivered the game to us. Another masterclass. Um, after 1982, we thought we would see them again. They delivered a masterclass. Well, they have mm-hmm. <laughs> delivered a, another one. Yeah, and, and I'm, 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 we are, we are we're happy to see. Actually, that 1982 team made me a, a student of football tactics. The way they went about that win that year, uh, surprising Argentina and Brazil along. Uh, the way Yemi Bode just alluded to it, England and all the followers and all of that. We talked about racism and online abuse on one of our very, very first podcasts. And like Bode said, we agreed it wasn't going to happen. Um, but I think it underlines why the players insist they'll keep taking the knee. Because these have shown it that, look, this thing is out there. It's, 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 at times it's overt, at times it's covert, but it's out there. But let's leave England because it's not about England. Maybe we'll do England another day. Italians have won it. One thing about Italy is football is a religion in Italy. Now, expectations have been heightened for the World Cup. And that, like you always like to say, uh, hard work <laughs> brings more for, hard work. <laughs> so, hard work. What does he have to do now, Mancini, to keep this team at this level, knowing that the World Cup is uh, maybe Just about, about 15, uh, 15 months, 15 away. months away? Yeah. Um, I, I do know that a few players will probably fall off. Mm. Um, from this team, um, I, I don't know if Cellini and Bonucci will still be playing at this at level. This level at that but time. they have the likes. If they of, retire now, I mean, they will have. Uh, oh they yeah, have fulfilled. Uh, they still have the likes of Acerbi, Bastoni, as well as a young, young, really good defender at Inter. So they have the, the a, a good core coming up that can come up. And of course, Michel, they have options. Locatelli is young. They have Persina from Atalanta. They have uh, um, President Sensi, mm. who huge shock because of his injuries and all that, who can still come back you into the team. Let's talk about Spinazzola. Until his injury was probably, probably the best, best player in the yeah. So you, you look at that, um, the Lorenzo on the right, they have a team that can grow. Can, can grow, grow, that you can, you probably have 80%. 
or thereabout of this team making it to Qatar in uh, 2022. And then what I, what I want to see what this victory will do for Italy is probably change the face of Italian football, also from a financial perspective. Okay. Um, probably this should lead to maybe increase investment into Italian football, especially the league uh, from the financial side, additional TV money, additional mm-hmm. corporate sponsorship, and all that, so that they can at least start measuring, because Italy haven't won the Champions League in, in, in a while. In a while, yeah. And so this should galvanize them to get closer to the likes of England, Germany, and Spain uh, as much as possible. So with all this, we're seeing tactical uh, innovations. We should see something on the financial side mm-hmm. and eventually trickle down to them, winning more laurels over the next few years. You, you know, the Italians have a way of surprising the world of football. They tend to win when they are least expected. Maybe a few people felt they, were, they had good form coming into the tournament, but when the one in 82, they were not given any chance to win. They had just come back from, even Russia had just come back come from, back from yeah. And when they won in 2006 also, they were not one of the favorites. So what is it about Italian football but it, that tends to surprise us when we least expect it as we round this up? Honestly, I, I, I can't sit there and tell you. Maybe you may be able to do that better than I, but um, uh, you know that we keep saying that defense, defense <laughs> wins trophies. trophies, attacks, the attack. Goals wins you games, um, defenses uh, wins you championships. Exactly, wins you championships. Look at the, the, the way Yemi uh, did the analysis of, of, um, of, um, of, of, the, uh, of the way. Machine set up the team. Everything they build, they build from the ground up. Yeah. When the Germans uh, turned around uh, uh, their, their own soccer um, soccer fortunes, they gave us a book detailing how they did it. The Italians will not try to book. On the <laughs> game, <because laughs> that is why they keep surprising us. See, the Germans wrote a book. Now, <laughs> they have been offended left and right. The Italians, we will see them coming. So I think the fact that they have they, they, they build their team from the back, and the fact that you never know how they arrive at that at, their, at, their, at, their, at, their, at the conclusion. You just know that any, any team Italian when Italians win championships, their defense tends to be a lot of work. Yeah, and interestingly, when they won the World Cup in 2006, was their captain that was a player of the tournament, Cannavaro. <laughs> and then Donnarumma was a player of the tournament when they won this time. So, <laughs> uh, the lines. But this Italian has run really me. Always solid defensively, but like we said, this was a much more enterprising Italian team going forward. First of all, let me say, Italy continues to block the trend. Yeah. 2006, you mentioned Cannavaro was a player of the tournament. Defender. Mm. This one, major reply tournament, goalkeeper, player of the yeah. tournament. That hardly happens. It hardly ever happens. Also, First thing to win back-to-back penalty shootouts. Italians bucking the yeah, trend. Yeah, they bucked the trend. They bucked the trend. <laughs> now, what you are seeing when you said enterprising is the effect of a lot of changes in Italian football over the last five years or whatever. They are more energetic, more enterprising. Mm. They are pushing forward, attacking more. Note that Syria has had the most goals in the last three, four years across the top mm. five leagues. Mm. Okay. Atalanta is there, scoring 100 goals a season in all competitions. Inter, almost the same thing against last season. So, 
the Atalanta Yemi's favorite side chick club, by the way. So the effect of the things happening in the league has transcended into the national team. They found a way to transplant into the national team. That while teams are probably more forward going, forward in outlook, pushing forward and scoring a lot of great goals, while still making those little tactical adjustments, the national team is benefiting mm. from all that is happening. You have to Klopp's credit Mancini in the fact that he's been able to mold, he's uh, changed the face of Italian football internationally without uh, going away from the main yes. strength that they have, which is solid organizational, uh, solid defense, and, you know, well-drilled team effort and efforts and all of that. And he's able to infuse some other things in there that, you know, made them uh, the champions. So, Mancini completed the Italian job. The Azzurri are champions of Europe. Just like Lionel Scaloni has made Argentina win the Copa America for the first time since 1993. But that's not the story, really, with all due respect to Scaloni. The big story is Lionel Messi has gotten the Holy Grail. All the criticism, in all quotes. the... In quotes. Yes. <laughs> all the negativity, everything is done at Barcelona, he's not winning with Argentina, all that is gone now. Because Lionel Messi has finally won a trophy with his native Argentina. His record with the Argentine national team at all, across all levels is impressive. Uh, World Youth Championship in 2005... Uh, um, the the Olympic gold in 2008, both times at the expense of Nigeria, it must be said. Uh, Copa America, but he, he lost so many. He lost the Copa America final. He lost two, um, one World Cup final, three Copa America finals, two to Chile, you know. And it just seemed like when he retired or when he said he was not playing again uh, some time ago, uh, that was... Um, I think after the World Cup or after they lost to Chile, after they lost to Chile in 2015, um, he rejected the MVP honor. He said he was no longer playing, but he was convinced to come back and all of that. And now he's here. You hear me? What does this do? I mean, I I, I personally don't have any doubts about uh, his legacy. I didn't have any doubts before this. I didn't think it was going to, but what does this do to that legacy now that Lionel Messi has finally been able to get that monkey off his back? The, the young man can <laughs> finally play football with no inhibitions, nothing to prove to anybody anymore. Mm. He's just enjoyed the last days of his of his career because hey, probably Messi probably has maybe maximum three years or so left. Uh, I could be wrong. Sports science boxes mm. trend more and more every day, so he can go out there and just have a good time. Of course, the pressure would have got a few notches because, hey, the World Cup is in 15 months' time or yeah. thereabout. Yeah. So, there are times we say, hey, do this. Add this to the, you know, mm. to the trophy hall and then maybe, maybe the Ronaldo-Messi conversation can then take a full tilt. Please don't go there. I'm not going there. Uh, I'm please, just saying, we don't, <laughs> can take a full tilt. So, um, the expectation is going to be higher because... And the times will be hoping that he can lead them to a World Cup. But for him personally, he can just relax yeah. and just enjoy the, the game. Of his enjoy career. the twilight of his career, knowing that, look, I've won everything humanly possible for myself, for my club, and for my country. 
So you know, now it's just to see who he passes the touch on to. That's the next You know, but he used to suffer a lot of severe criticism. People felt he wasn't giving his 100% or he wasn't giving his all for Argentina. But I think his attitude during this tournament, the way he reacted when the beat, um, was it Colombia in the penalty shootout? The way he grafted. And we are hearing now that he plays the final two games, semifinals and finals with a tight hamstring. You know, shows that he absolutely clear, uh, cared. Sorry. And he just underlines the fact that people are always so quick to judge in football when things don't work for you, when things don't go your way. There's always uh, a lot of criticism. And for the fact that I think Messi, Messi made his senior debut in 2005. Between 1993, when they last won in 2005, there were about four Copa Americas and probably one or two top-class generations of Argentine footballers. So this Copa America is not as easy to win yeah. as people were making it out to be. Because if it was that easy, Argentina, as big as the country as they are, wouldn't have to endure 28 years of not winning it. Um, watching the Copa America, uh, somebody, I think it was Shola, uh, Shola, Evgeny, said that every game, every game in Copa America is like war. Yeah. And the yeah. referees, unlike in the Premiership, the referees allow, allow a you, lot. They allow you to play. Football is a full contact sport. It's only when the fouls are horrendous that they react. And so it makes it difficult. And people forget that all the South American stars that we see all over the world and we admire, all of them congregate in one place. Yeah. To play tournaments. And so, as, as bad in quotes as we think uh, Venezuela is or Paraguay is, the difference between them and, and the big teams, South America, the difference is not much. Yeah. And then, and then the top five teams in, 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 South, in South America, the, the guys between them is so close that sometimes, I mean, from, 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 from what you have seen in the, in the quarter, from the quarterfinals of the tournament, the, the gap between them is so close that, uh, so, yes, so I agree with all the point I'm making is that I agree with you. The Copa America is so difficult to win, but because in Africa it's played out all times, most people don't get to see it, mm. and so they, they don't appreciate the type of football that they play there. That's on one side. And on the other side, when people talk about Messi, you know Messi, Messi has been synonymous with Barcelona yeah. for the past 10, 12, 15 years, and Barcelona has been far more successful, mm. and. People, that's why people tend to feel that when Messi goes to Copa America, his mind is not there because, of course, I'm not moving. And like you said, once things are not going right for you, there's nothing people will not see. Even some things that, that have nothing to do, to do with you, they, they will attach it to your story. <laughs> yes. They underline the point that they, are, they underline the point they are trying to make. That's why sometimes when I read this Messi versus Ronaldo argument and I see the comments that people make about this and that, it's actually. I've grown to a point where I find it very, very amusing yeah. to do what people say. So, yes, I'm glad for Messi. It's, it's, it's a monkey off his back. Now, and the canon he showed in this tournament is like, look, this feels for me like the last thing of the dice. Yeah. Because if you don't win this one now in the final, you are not sure what will, what will happen in the next tournament. Yeah. Given, the, given how volatile that event, event is. So, Messi has proved people wrong. He has led Argentina to a victory in Copa America to in the media international tournament. Now we can rest. <laughs> <laughs> of course. For for Messi himself, though, you know I mean, where now he's out of contract at Barcelona, as we speak, 
He's troubled. <laughs> we don't know whether Barcelona can sign him with all their financial troubles. Uh, the story about him might be going to the uh, to PSG. We don't know about that. PSG have signed um, uh, Sergio Ramos. Yeah. No, so and um, you do feel that he has a huge decision to make personally. What do you think his next step is going to be? It's tough to speculate, but. Very tough. He's going to stay in Barcelona. Do you think he's going to decide to take his uh, talents elsewhere? Knowing the fact that um, he commands huge... I, I read huge that wages. from basketballers, Kevin Durant and all that. When they saw Messi's wages, Kevin Durant actually <laughs> said, my son must start playing soccer. <laughs> you know, so, where do you think... What, what, what do you think is going to happen? Ah, it's a difficult, difficult question. Uh, it's hard to speculate what his next move would be because obviously, if, he was, if we're dealing with a team that is well-run, or in good financial shape, it'd be easy to speculate and say, okay, they can probably double his salary, give him a new deal, maybe a two-year deal, or a one-year rolling contract or whatever. But Barcelona is very difficult because we don't even know how they're going to sort out the mess that they're in. Let me, let, me, let me flip that. In the same vein, how many teams in the current financial situation many. can afford Maybe Manchester City. PSG. With all the financial issues they have, financial dropping might come into it. Yeah, no. So what's going to happen? Last me, City, PSG. It looks like I can't look beyond City it, and PSG. Can, it can probably can because those two probably don't even care about the whole, this whole financial one. They have state money; they can pump it in. Know how they're going to adjust, you know, financial adjustments that they need to make, and they can make him, you know, a, a tremendous offer. What's so, the possibility of him staying in Barcelona? I think the possibility is about 70% okay. for, his, for him to stay in Barcelona because I think he's shown a lot of loyalty. Yes, at the point he, 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 he threatened that he was going to leave. He's been proved right because of the way the club is wrong, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. So, but I think somehow he still holds uh, the team in highest demand. You know, there's a 70% chance he might still stay. And you know, but still talking about Messi and staying, there's yeah, added pressure from his family. I don't think his family wants him to leave Barcelona, particularly I hear his children don't want him to leave. And that always creates a lot of pressure for a man, though. When your family is happy and well settled somewhere, it becomes very, very difficult to approach them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, uh, Barcelona has been home for so long mm. uh, that I don't think in the twilight of his career, in, especially when they are not asking him to leave, they are, they are willing to give him whatever it is he's looking for. I think it will be extremely difficult. Um, I, I, I think the, the world is taken for a ride. Um, uh, but and, and unless something something significant changes or shifts, uh, I, I suspect he, 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 he will continue with Barcelona. All right, Yemi. The World Cup, like you said, is about 15 months, 15 months away. Um, it's not easy to qualify from South America, it must be said. You know, there was a year, I think recently, Argentina had to go through the playoffs, yeah, you know, and Brazil too have struggled a few times. So, like, but they said South America is not as easy as people try to make it out to be. Now, 15 months away, Messi will likely, likely be there. Yeah, very likely. Mm. Or you think there's a possibility of him saying, well, I've done what I want no, to do with Argentina. Probably Let take, me just go and relax and stay with my family. probably take one more shot. Um, okay. It's going to be an unusual World Cup because playing, playing is in November, December. Unusual. Unusual uh, location as well. Mm. Um, the experience itself is an attraction for any player to, to want to experience. So I am sure that uh, in 15 months' time, he will still be there. 
because obviously there will be added pressure from the Argentines that look, you've led us to this, why don't we try and see what you can do at the World Cup? So I'm sure that he'll still be, he'll be at the next World Cup. All right, so Argentina are champions of South America. Brazil, though, um, let me stick with them. We were very, very disappointing in that tournament. What the quality not... of football I saw <laughs> this Brazil play is probably the worst Brazilian team I've seen in quite a while. <laughs> Overall quality, yes, probably the worst I've seen, uh, especially in the final. Mm. Uh, they were abysmal. It fight. was what you call in local balance jambody. I'm telling you. <laughs> just, just running all over the place. Uh, I think also, Brazil is a manager that can pull the mass and I said, look, you are the star of the team. Yeah. You can do a lot of things for this team. You can carry this much, but come on. You can't, you can't win anything with you playing like this. You Neymar, can't, it's not about you just running. You're talking about Neymar. Neymar yeah. mm. You can't just take the ball and, you know, start running all over the place. It's a team game. Mm. And also, I do not know what Brazil has done. They just can't produce serious strikers. For a country that has produced Ronaldo de Lima, Adriano, Romario, Bebeto, come on, Femino, Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel mm-hmm. Bebosa, it's, it's quite sad. Well, everybody, um, the rich now, in quote and unquote, also cry. Also cry. <laughs> uh, Brazil struggling to replicate their successes of the past at this. Uh, it's interesting that it's goalkeepers that they are producing now. And they never at used the to time, the time they, they attack was the best form of defense and they never used to produce um, goalkeepers. But uh, you look at the Argentine team, um, they really fought for Messi in that tournament. A lot of them said, we wanted to win this for Messi. And it goes to show again, we go back to that point of uh, a team. Messi carried the team. Messi was a top scorer top assist and all that. But when it really mattered, the latter stages, he had an injury. We found out later now that he had an injury and was struggling. But the team, he had done his bit up to a point, but the team carried him. It just underlines what we said about the Italians. You know, no matter the superstar you have in your team, if you don't have the grafters, the people that, uh, the water carriers, like they call them, (laughs) you can't win anything. No, you cannot, did you? And of course, um, this team is all about Messi. Reminds me of the of the same this same Argentina team in United this World Cup. Maradona was all and all until the until the final yeah. when the Germans devised a plan to stop him. <laughs> yeah. Then the other, other player stepped, stepped up. up. Yeah. And and so yeah, he comes out to it. You cannot rely on certain players, and that is what that is that is what that was one lesson that I think England should learn. And that's what that's what that's one area where I feel start get filled in these tournaments. Certain players will do certain jobs for you, but last last, it comes down to what do you do with your bench? What do you do with the team that you have in okay. your hands? All right, yeah, we will round up now. Um, a lot of talk have been said. Messi, Shawbet for a seventh Ballon d'Or with what has happened without a shadow of a doubt. Nobody else can be successful. <laughs> All that's needed, all UEFA, uh, all uh, FIFA needed was this excuse to for him to, to win the Copa America. And then he added top scorer, top passes, play of the top. Okay, who are the other people in the room? Jorginho? Ngolo Kante? Good point. Good point. <laughs> all right. So, congratulations to Messi and uh, Argentina. Congrats to the Italians. And of course, we have to say, well done to the Tigers. And we hope that this story continues 
And um, we wish the Tigers all the best as the Olympics. Long may it continue. So that's how we wrap it up on this episode of Sports 360 Podcast. Many thanks for joining us as always. Take care now. Bye-bye.